Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersysGrown.com. In this week's interview, we're speaking to Danny Gordon, Dr. Danny Gordon, to be exact, and she is a doctor that specializes in integrative medicine. So this is a term which I hadn't heard before, but integrative medicine is where you can use plant-based medicines like cannabis, mushrooms, and other plant-based medicines alongside mainstream medicine to treat different medical issues that people have. So Dr. Danny Gordon is from the UK. She specializes in CBD and cannabis and prescribing CBD and cannabis to people in the UK. So it's a really interesting interview. We speak about cannabis, we speak about psilocybin, ketamine, DMT, uh, and just general things like that. It's a real cool conversation. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Make sure you roll yourself a fat one and sit back, chill, listen to this interview with Dr. Danny Gordon. She has a cool book and all of that, but we'll cover all of that kind of stuff after the interview. And I'll tell you where you can find all the links and everything then. But for now, enjoy the interview and I'll speak to you at the end of this. Catch you in a bit. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, us, it's just me today because it's Thanksgiving over in America. So Monkey hasn't joined us because obviously he's celebrating with family. I just did another podcast before this um, from America, actually. And yeah, she was just about to start her Thanksgiving dinner. At the host. Nice. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? How we don't do that here in the UK. Yeah, I, I grew up in the States, so I actually kind of miss it because it's kind of a kickoff to the Christmas season. I, I think it's really nice, mm-hmm. um, although, of course, it's totally commercialized in the U.S., but it's yeah. still nice. That's why I'm surprised it hasn't made its way here yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'll quickly introduce myself so you know who you're talking to. I am Mackie. I'm from the U.K., uh, the host of High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast. And do you want to introduce yourself so the people listening will know who you are. Yes, so I'm Dr. Danny Gordon. I am a medical doctor and I'm an expert in cannabinoid medicine and integrative medicine. And I now practice in the UK where I see patients um, here in my clinic. And I'm also a patient advocate and um, for for medical cannabis and also for drug policy reform and uh, harm reduction. So that's me in a nutshell. So you must be very busy. Yes, and I have a two-year-old. So oh wow! That? Yeah, that's even busier. Damn. And I've just written a second book. So yeah, I'm 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 totally insane, basically. And you still managed <laughs> to spare time to come here and chat on the podcast with us. That's cool, man. <laughs> Thanks. So, I mean, in in the U, you must have started all of this when you was in the US, right? And then you moved to the UK yeah. and carried yeah. on doing the same work. How, how is that in the UK? What's it like? Well, so I was actually based in Canada. So I, I have okay. an American board uh, fellowship from the US as well. But my practice was in Canada for many years before moving back to the UK. Um, and here it's, you know, we've, we've come a long way since 2018, since the law changed. And we can, of course, now have medical cannabis that's legal. Mm-hmm. But we still have a long way to go. We don't have the product selection we do back in North America mm-hmm. for patients. Um, of course, it's different there since now we have recreational legalization in Canada. Um, we don't have that here yet. So there's still a lot of patients who can't uh, afford a private prescription. So they're accessing on the black market and they're at risk of criminality and getting a poor quality product in a lot of cases. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, we still have a long way to go, but um, we're getting there, which is really positive. And I've been able to help so many patients here in the UK, um, many of who've never been cannabis users. They're totally naive to cannabis, but they just have chronic pain, chronic mental health conditions where um, they just weren't getting relief from their mm-hmm. symptoms, from other other approaches and other medications. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite positive, but we still have a long way to go. Um, I'm glad you're positive. I think I lost my positivity a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you say we're not recreational yet. Do you see that happening anytime soon in the UK? Do you have some kind of prediction on when you think it will happen? Well, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. Unfortunately, I don't. But yeah. I think it is inevitable. I think yeah. recreational, you know, adult use. I, I like to call it adult use, really. Yeah, it, adult better, use, it? Um, mm-hmm. it is better, isn't it? Because a lot of people use for well-being purposes, even though um, they might not see a doctor. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think adult use, I think it is coming. I think it's inevitable. I think um, 
same with the decriminalization of some of the other substances like you know psilocybin mm -hmm. um some of the other psychedelics i think it is you know hopefully it'll be decriminalization then that's a step towards adult use um yeah. so i don't know how long it's going to take i hope it won't take you know another decade but you just you never know really yeah that's what i think i think it's going to be another decade well it depends on what day it is and how i feel <laughs> you know sometimes i think <laughs> it's 18 months away man it's just around the corner well, you know, sometimes I think it's going to be 10 years away as well, because I've been thinking this for 20 years, you know, it's, it's got, yeah, got to be done yeah. next year for sure. Right. And here we are still living under prohibition and it's a yeah, pain, especially eventually. the medical side of things, because as you must know, it's difficult for some people to get hold of cannabis for medicine. And, and even if they yeah, yeah. they get the uh, they go and see the specialist and get prescribed it, they have to pay a stupid amount of money for that medicine. It's not available on the NHS. And it's, yeah, it's difficult a for lot a lot of people. It's really difficult. Yeah, a lot of my nonprofit work is trying to get it on the NHS. So, of mm -hmm. course, you know, we're doing all we can, but we still, I think, have many years to go. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw adult use before we saw the NHS um, availability, which is yeah. crazy in a lot of senses, but I wouldn't be surprised. What do you think is holding the, the medical side of things back? Why isn't it available on the NHS yet? Well, you know, it's really complicated. It's not that the NHS is trying to be evil. It's just that it's there's so many reasons why. I mean, one of the reasons is that um, cannabis doesn't fit into the RCT, the randomized placebo controlled drug trial um, bin very neatly. And that has held back the kind of evidence that bodies like NICE and the NHS um, uh, commissioning, you know, bodies and so forth for, for the hospitals, they say that they need to see before they will... Um, put this on the formulary, the NHS formulary and pay for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really frustrating for patients. Um, and, you know, I understand, but I think, I think probably the solution is doing what we're doing um, with real world evidence um, collection and uh, drug science is doing a fantastic job at that mm -hmm. with T21, which, you know, um, which I um, am a part of through some advisory work with them. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can start changing this obsession with RCT evidence with really good data and really good scientific um, research methodology for real world data collection. And um, once that evidence is accepted, um, if it was accepted, for example, by NICE, by some of these other groups, that it would make a pathway for medical cannabis to potentially be available in the NHS. Um, and that's so that's what a lot of people in the UK are currently working towards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's the most yeah. important thing, even out of recreational or adult use. As long as we can get people the medicine they need, especially the kids. You know, we've had a lot of parents on the show who have children with yeah, epilepsy yeah. and they use cannabis for medicine to treat the epilepsy. And it seems to do a real good job. And yeah. there is um, like uh, Alfie Dingley, Hannah Deacon's boy. Yeah, he gets cannabis on the nhs right yeah he's the only patient really who's getting it covered um because they fought so hard for it before mm -hmm. it was legalized but after legalization of course you know hannah has done such an amazing job doing all the campaigning for the other families as well not just mm -hmm. for alfie she's very adamant that you know this needs to be for for all the children that are in their position and it just hasn't happened it's been incredibly frustrating and yeah you know that's it, it's it's so hard because a lot of these these children um, have failed so many other drugs and they mm -hmm. have intractable epilepsy and it's actually life threatening their condition yeah. and mm -hmm. cannabis was helping them it was not just helping them it was actually giving them milestones back so these children went from some of them went from uh, losing their milestones and you know going they weren't able to speak anymore not able to walk anymore and then they're gaining milestones after they um are you know on a medical cannabis product so it's absolutely incredible mm -hmm. um you know and bonnie goldstein which is my fantastic colleague in the u.s and she's yeah. you know really the leading world expert in in in, in kids medical mm -hmm. cannabis for, for kids and epilepsy and you know some of the the case studies she she has is just incredible yeah she, she's been on the show a couple of times she's been an amazing oh artist. yes okay yeah, yeah. so and you she, know yeah she's a legend man yeah oh, she's, she's speaking to Bonnie. yeah yeah and she has a her call she recommends as well her book um cannabis is medicine she yes she always recommends you buy two copies one for yourself and one for your healthcare for practitioner your, you know your gp your or the nurse yeah real good guest man and you yeah, have a book as well you said right 
I do. So mine's, it's called the CBD Bible. It's about medical cannabis. My publishers, I have, I'm with a, quite a big publisher and they didn't, at the time when I wrote it, it was 2019, um, they didn't want to call it the medical cannabis Bible. So it was the CBD Bible, but it's about medical cannabis. Right. Um, <laughs> and I just wrote a second one um, about resilience and integrative medicine. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I actually enjoy the writing. Cool. Yeah. Writing is uh, one of those things. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I hate it. Yeah, it's, it is. You have to be in the right mood, don't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you're writing a long one, because I've, I've, I'm like halfway through an article I'm writing for the website and I've been halfway oh, through yeah. it for about a month because I can't drag myself back to finishing it. It's so long. I don't know how you, you go about writing a book. Oh, it's, you know, I guess I just have my own process, really. I mean, mm-hmm. the books I write are quite long. So about 100,000 words. Yeah, 100,000 words. So, you know, like 350 pages, 400 pages. Um, but it's all sort of in my head. It's just basically downloading my clinical knowledge mm-hmm. into easy to understand information. I mean, that that's really my passion in medicine, to be honest, is um, getting my, downloading my knowledge so that I can empower other people. Um, yeah. Because it's no use if everyone just talks in doctor speak and no one understands what the heck we're talking about. But if we can take this information people are smart if you can if you can under you you know people can understand um really complicated stuff if you just use words that um you know you don't have to go to medical school to understand Mm -hmm. um so that's that's basically what i try to do and i just i just kind of uh do an outline usually and then i break it down bit by bit um i run past ideas with my husband usually who says oh i don't know about that or oh yeah i like that and um yeah it just kind of comes together really (laughs) teamwork yeah. So when did you start getting, I mean, you must have gone to medical school and, and, you know, learned a lot about medicine throughout medical school, but did you learn anything about cannabis during medical school as well in the endocannabinoid <laughs> system? No. So I went to medical school. Um, I, I graduated, I became a doctor in 2009. So almost 15 years ago, I've been practicing for almost 15 years now, which is And this crazy. was when you were still in Canada? Um, yeah, this is when I was still in Canada. So I went to, I went to medical school in Canada and um no we didn't learn anything about cannabis well actually that that's wrong we learned literally one thing about cannabis and that was it was going to make people go crazy and become psychotic and it was dangerous um that was literally the only context there was no talk of the endocannabinoid system although we'd known about it for 20 plus years by them um so i'm trying to change this now you know i do a lot of teaching now at universities and that sort of thing um but yeah there, there was no talk of any anything cannabis related i actually found out about cannabis through my patients um and of course in canada and british columbia there's a culture of cannabis growing and cannabis use um and yeah really through my patients and you know i I went and did a fellowship in integrated medicine so i was already combining drug therapy with meditation and botanicals and i I had a botanical medicine training as well as my conventional you know stuff is that what integrated um, medicine is is uh like yeah mainstream medicine and then the botanicals the plant-based medicine mainstream medicine plus mind-body medicine, plant-based medicine, anything that is natural and has some sort of evidence uh, behind it. Right. It doesn't have to have an RCT, but I call it really evidence-informed medicine. So mm-hmm. it might only have, you know, case-level evidence or um, some lower-level evidence, but it, it's it's very unrisky. So, you know, a lot, of, I do chronic disease. So a lot of my patients, um, you, you can't just throw more drugs at them. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So we have to help kind of look at things from the root cause um, use a lot of integrative methods like botanicals, nutraceuticals, diet, lifestyle, meditation, cannabis is a big one. Um, cannabis combined with meditation. That's my favorite. Um, <laughs> because with chronic illness, it's, it, it the, the brain gets so unbalanced. And so it, it becomes so, um, dysregulated, but you can't fix it with a drug therapy. Hmm. Cannabis is an amazing plant. It just does all these crazy things it's a real good medicine apparently allegedly you know there's no yeah. real good studies out there yet i mean i'm sure there is but well there's there's not some, good enough you know, for the nhs yeah i mean there, there's some decent ones um you know some decent ones and definitely with the uh, the licensed products that have been made from cannabis like statavex right. and epidiolex mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you know those type of things but of course i don't really use those in my practice very rarely do i use those and only when someone has to travel somewhere where they can take sound effects, but they can't take their cannabis. So sometimes I'll bridge them with those things. Um, but they, we find that, you know, I find that they just don't work quite as well as getting the right product for the, the for the patient, the full mm-hmm. spectrum product. Okay. So you're working with a full spectrum cannabis oil. Yeah. yeah. Cannabis oils, um, cannabis flowers. Um, there's a few vape 
cartridges on the medical market that I can prescribe now. Um, no way. We don't, yeah. So, you know, it's getting better. It's, we mm -hmm. still don't have a lot of the things we have in Canada. So we don't have topicals, which I love. Um, I use those myself for my nerve pain in my hand. It's been incredible. Um, I was told after I had a terrible hand injury that I would have to, you know, be on painkillers and gabapentin for the rest of my life. And Oof. of course I, I threw all those away after about a week and started putting cannabis, top cannabis on my hand and, um, haven't do looked you, back since. Do you think that's um, the problem? Because big pharma, you know, big little conspiracy, you know, down a rabbit hole, little big pharma wants you to take these opioids because they earn so much money from it, but cannabis you can grow yourself and produce your own medicine make your own bombs and then you don't need to take the uh their medicine anymore yeah i mean you know i'm I, i'm an optimist i don't think there's a giant conspiracy theory uh you know out there but i do think that doctors are used to um looking at evidence that's been framed by big pharmaceutical research trials hmm. and that what is what informs their prescribing decisions so when, you know, you try to get them to prescribe something that doesn't have that level of evidence, it's very difficult um, because that's what we've been taught yeah. is the only thing that we should pay attention to. Um, and I find that the doctors who end up prescribing cannabis, they've been doing it for a while and they've realized that, wait, wait a second, you know, a lot of my patients are not getting better. A lot of these medications have terrible side effects. Um, and then they start, or they've had a health journey themselves. It's one of those two things. Some is a combination that's kind of, kind of lets them kind of get over that hurdle of being afraid to explore these other um, medication approaches. Mm -hmm. So what was it for you? What made you step into the cannabis medicine world? Yeah, well, you know, I was already an integrated medicine doctor. So I was using botanicals mm -hmm. of all varieties alongside drugs. And um, I still had this bias against cannabis. Like I grew up in the States in the in the Bush era, like the, the war on drugs. I still remember the just say no t-shirts. Like it was mm -hmm. very very heavy um this is your anti brain on drugs yeah like anti-drug yeah. propaganda really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i think that messaging plus messaging from medical school i still had a real bias against cannabis and even though i was an integrated medicine doctor so first it was my patients who were using cannabis and because i was an integrative doctor they were telling me what they were doing with cannabis um even you know as early as like 2009 2010 2011 so you know, I was figuring, oh, well, you know, I should start from a harm reduction perspective, at least trying to help them with my botanical medicine background, you know, find what's working best for them because mm -hmm. they were getting it from kind of gray zone places like the dispensaries and um, growing their own. So it wasn't actually legal, but, you know, you weren't really getting thrown in jail for it. Oh. Um, so I had to do it under kind of the harm, the harm reduction guise. And then um, we were allowed to prescribe, well, authorize medical cannabis. Um, and I still kind of held back for a few more years. And then I had this injury to my hand and I started using it myself topically. And it made such a big difference. So in 2015, I, you know, officially started adding it to my practice. Wow. Um, so that was kind of what tipped me over. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do to your hand? Do you mind me asking? Yeah. So I was jogging overseas and I was, uh, in, in Bali in Indonesia and, um, I got hit by a, a motorcycle and I flew through the air and I didn't have any injury. Thank goodness, except for my hand. And I blew, I landed with an outstretched hand and right. I blew all of the internal ligaments. Oof. Um, so it was a really bad injury. Yeah. So this is someone, that doesn't... yeah, it was, it was bad. And, and you know, this is someone who I was, doing like really hardcore yoga every day. And that was a big part of my personal mind body practice. So um, all that went out the window, I had two surgeries. I had like pins coming out of my arm at one point. Um, they tried to reconstruct some of the ligaments. It wasn't all that successful. And I had a lot of nerve damage. So um, I had this terrible nerve pain. It was keeping me up at night. It was making me totally grumpy. Um, and I was at one of my conferences in the States, my integrative medicine conferences in California. And one of my colleagues said, why don't you try topical cannabis? And I was like, well, really? Do you really think that works? And they were like, well, there's someone with a stand here, like a cannabis company. Why don't you just go and ask them for a sample? And literally, this is what I did. I went out over and I still had my hand in this big, uh, like molded cast thing at this point. Um, and I said, oh, hi, um, you know can I have a sample please? And they said, sure. Um, so, you know, all week I'm putting this stuff on my hand and then I'm sleeping better by the end of the week. Um, so I actually had to leave it there because I, I couldn't take it over the border, of course. So I actually, I think I gave it to someone at the conference who worked at the conference center um, for an ankle injury, like a basketball injury. Mm -hmm. 
And then I went back to Canada and I, and I bought some more and I just kept using it. It was so effective. Wow. They don't hear of many people using topicals, you know, usually it's oil yeah. that's ingested or, you know, some people will exactly. fake it. But you do yeah. hear of plenty of people using it for medicine, smoking it, for example. I, I hear about that a lot because, you, you know, running a cannabis growers forum, most people smoke yeah. cannabis and a lot of people use it for chronic pain, for example. That's, uh, you know, back pain. Everybody Absolutely. has back pain. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably in, in my medical clinic here in the UK, um, chronic pain and um, depression and insomnia are the three biggest reasons mm-hmm. why people come to see me um, and of course they all overlap don't they because if mm-hmm. people in chronic pain their brain changes because they're in pain all the time and then their mood goes and their sleep goes and it's just terrible vicious cycle and mm-hmm. cannabis can actually help with a lot of those overlapping symptoms yeah for sure well i started way back in the day because of insomnia really and, yeah yeah and you know i've been smoking for 20 years now well i suppose not really smoking anymore because i quit smoking about a year ago i only vape cannabis now sometimes i hit the pipe with yeah. a little bit of hash but, but that's about it really just uh, an occasional thing but vaping yeah. is my favorite way to do it now i, I, I love to vape but... yeah yeah vaporization is i mean of course you know medically we can't uh endorse smoking mm-hmm. um so yeah a lot of my patients use vaporized usually if it's chronic pain that's constant a lot of them use the long acting form in an oil and then they top up with uh the vaporization as well All right so are you like a gp do you have a doctor's surgery or something how does it work for you yeah. So, so I have a clinic. Yeah. So I'm the medical director of, of my clinic. Um, I'm an independent clinic in the UK. I'm like, I think most, if not all of the other cannabis clinics, we're not a cannabis clinic. We're an integrated medicine clinic. Right. Um, okay. So it's although, not like you're an NHS clinic. You're a private healthcare kind of clinic. Yeah. Right, I okay. wish I was an NHS clinic, but they just won't cover it. One day. Um, there's a lot of one day. I hope mm-hmm. so. Um, there's a lot of other cannabis clinics in the UK, but they're all sort of affiliated with a cannabis company or a cannabis, um, brands so they're not completely independent or you know um they, you know they they make money from the medical cannabis that they prescribe mm-hmm. which is always a bit odd to me um but we're just yeah i'm just a private um uh integrated medicine clinic so yeah i prescribe cannabis alongside drugs when i need to alongside botanicals diet i do functional medicine testing gut microbiome stuff like you name it um whatever gets people better essentially cool so i have <laughs> What's the rules? Are you allowed to prescribe psilocybin yet? Is that something you're allowed to do? Not here. So in in Canada, um, I have a few colleagues who have already got research license, actually clinical licenses for um, compassionate care use. So I, a few of my colleagues in Toronto are already prescribing it in their clinic. Here, it's only in research studies. So if there is a research study that I know about, um, I will sometimes um uh, tell some of my patients who might be a candidate that oh you know you might be interested in in this one coming up um a lot of that work's being done at imperial college with psilocybin mm. um but on, outside of a research study you cannot access it legally in the uk um i do have patients who who go to the netherlands to do psilocybin retreats to do truffle retreats mm. um but it's not considered medicine they have to say you know it's for uh, personal development only so it's not doctors leading those um but I have I have, have have had a lot of patients um, go and do that legally there too. It's pretty easy to grow your own mushrooms. Just saying. <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> but it's, contamination is the worst thing. That's the hardest thing with growing mushrooms. It's, it's easy to get uh, trichoderma in there. But if you sterile, oh, it takes a couple of practice goes. Yeah, the trichoderma gets in and it takes all the nutrients and it stops the fungi from growing. how interesting so there you go i didn't even know that um so there you go and from what i understand like depending on the mushroom you grow you will need a slightly different percentage of moisture as well well it 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 depends on like even the same mushroom it's crazy i mean i would say it's easy to grow but i suppose it's not that easy (laughs) but when (laughs) when you've grown cannabis it's easier than growing cannabis that's what i've heard people say in north america too compared to cannabis it's easy but if you're not used to growing anything then not particularly easy but highly recommended yeah because (laughs) there's that problem with things being illegal i mean i'm sure i'm just preaching to the choir here but when things are illegal people have to go to the legacy market to go and get these things and there's a risk of it not being what you wanted it to be you know you're going out to get some psilocybin mushrooms and it ends up to be something completely different but you know yeah it's a bit that too a strong you know or they're mo- or they're moldy or the mm-hmm. cannabis they get is moldy or it's sprayed with something yeah, it's yeah. you know that's 
wearing my harm reduction hat, that's a real risk. And these are already people who were unwell to begin mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. Um, with chronic illness. So it's it's not a good situation for them a lot of times. No, for sure. This is why I recommend grow your own if you can. You know, and if you can, because some people just, they haven't got the ability to, whether they, you know, they have got a back injury or something, they'll just, they they yeah. just don't have the ability to grow their own. And obviously exactly. they can't do it. So we need to give them some kind of market where they can go and get the cannabis and re- rely on it being safe and not just cannabis, psilocybin yeah. as well, you know. That's why I'm a, you know, such a proponent for adult use because exactly that, it has to be safe. And um, mm. I did grow own prescriptions for some of my patients in Canada because um, right. it can be cheaper, but it's only cheaper when you get it right. This is yeah, what I you suppose. know patients discover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to you have to cure it yourself. You have to dry it yourself. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some patients who really wanted to grow in prescription. I would say, well, why don't we do an authorization for some um, cannabis product that you can buy, like the authorized, you know, medical producer ones. And I'll give you a small grow own prescription simultaneously. You could just see how it goes. Mm. And then some, about half the people after six months were like, oh, let's just go with the ones I can get ready made. But some mm. of them got really into it and stuck with it and, and it worked really well for them. But the the main thing about it is cost. When you grow yeah. your own cannabis at home, I mean, especially in Canada and USA, in the UK now, because of the, the rise in energy prices, it's getting more That's and more expensive it. to grow your own. And I'm sure many people out there would prefer to go and buy it at a cheap, reasonable price and not have to pay and take the risk of growing their own in, in yeah. the UK, especially. But it's just not available yet. That's the problem. But, you know, I, I love growing cannabis. It's a good hobby as well. You get, <laughs> a, you know, you get the nice weed at the end. But it would be yeah. a lot simpler just to be able to go down the road and buy an ounce for £25. But that's a long, long way away because you still see that when people go out and buy it for medicine, it's still expensive. I think it's um, with my yeah. friend. I recommended my friend signed up to the Sapphire Clinics one, and he did, and he gets his cannabis medicine now from the Sapphire Clinics, jammy bastard. Yeah. But, uh, he, I think he pays £50 for 10 grams, which is a decent price. It's cheaper than what, than what you'll find on the legacy market, and it seems to be decent quality. Yeah. So he's happy. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I think you know between yeah £50 for 5 grams, some of the 10 gram ones on the lower end are about 80, 90 pounds. The higher end are, I think like 110, 120 per 100 grams. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, and for me, cause I'm totally independent clinic. So I'll prescribe whatever I can get hold of that. I think is the best strain for that person. So oftentimes we start with the cheaper ones, but then if the strain isn't right, or, you know, sometimes the cheaper products, they might not have harvested at the right time or they've grown it kind of quickly and mm-hmm. patients don't find, some patients find it works fine, but some patients find they want a more particular strain or they want a little bit higher quality mm-hmm. um, cannabis because then they, they find it, they go through it less quickly if, if it's working better for them. So yeah, yeah it's just, it's just like a little bit of a, a dance to find the right product for the right mm-hmm. person. Yeah. That seems to be the difficult thing as well is some strains will work well for one person, but won't work well for another person. Yeah. Everybody's endocannabinoid system is different and gets stimulated in different ways, depending on what cannabinoids are in the plant it's yeah. it's quite complicated isn't it it is yeah i've been doing it for quite a while now for many many years and it's still there's still lots of learning mm-hmm. um so i always tell my patients you know i have a really good educated guess where we should start um and then we have to just see how it goes and tweak it you know depending on how how you react um and the, the most frustrating thing is when we find something that works well and then there's a product discontinuation or there's an interruption and mm-hmm. in when we can get product in and then, you know, we have to switch on to something else. Um, but it's it's better than what we had four years ago. So it's it's getting better all the time. Yeah, it's progress. Yeah. But do you see there's going to be a way around this at some point? Maybe isolating the cannabinoids and then making the, your own mix. Like as an I, oil, I... like pure THC oil, pure CBD, pure CBG, and then making them into a certain ratio depending on the person. Do you think that would work? I don't know if that will work because the problem is, is when, you know, I've prescribed in the past because in, you know, Canada, someone could get insurance for say Nabilone or uh, Dronabinol or something like this, you know, pure THC essentially. And what you find is that people have more side effects from pure THC, same with the pure THC, like vapes that you find um, Mm -hmm. in the recreational adult use market now. It's it's the it's it is that entourage effect that herbal synergy mm-hmm. um, from a botanical medicine perspective that I think works the best as a medicine. Yeah. So 
it, it's difficult because like you say, that is probably the way that um, mainstream research would like it to go. So they could say, great, we'll just take this isolate, we'll study it, we'll put it into a randomized placebo control, and we'll see if it works. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is it might not work, but that doesn't mean that the whole plant, plant extract doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so so it's, I think it's, it's I, I don't like that approach so much. Um, I think it's fine to have those products available on the adult use market, but I think for, and maybe it's it's okay to have them in the medical market too, but I, I think we should always have the option of having the full plant extracts mm -hmm. from different it's, strains. The terpenes make a big difference as well. Don't they? Yeah, the, these definitely. These terpenes have, the, have an, medicinal properties as well as the cannabinoids. You need to use both of them in conjunction with each other. Yeah. We just have to figure out the correct strain for each person. Imagine that you got like a medical day, like I'm going to go try out all of these different strains of medical cannabis. Yeah to see which one works well for me. <laughs> hmm, that white yeah. widow, it, it made me a little bit sleepy. Let me try the Jack Hera. Mm -mm. Do you know Do you know what yeah. strains you guys uh, prescribe? Sometimes. So right. I prefer the producers and the products that tell me the strain mm -hmm. and also they give me the terpene profile and the minor cannabinoid profile. Mm, cool. Um, but it's not always possible. Some of them will just say strain unknown. And then when they run out of the other stuff, I'm stuck. Um, but I'm still, I think, luckier than a lot of the other prescribers in the UK because I have so much experience that I can go to that level versus I think when you're first starting out prescribing, even if you've done a few hundred prescriptions, it's still more the CBD THC ratios that people are most comfortable with. So I tend to get a lot of patients who have failed at some of the other clinics because they have kind of failed a few products and they didn't know what else to do. Um, so then, of course, I'm saying, well, why don't we try like another strain and why don't we combine it with, you know, this botanical and why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And oftentimes you you're able to find something that does work. But it's I, you know, I always say to people, this is this is the art of medicine. You know, it's it is an art and a science. Yeah, it's, it must be so nice, though, when you, somebody's coming to your clinic and, you know, it must be at the end of their tether. We've tried all these yeah. different drugs and nothing's working to get rid of their chronic pain or their depression or their insomnia. And then it's you find incredible. something that does work for them. They must be very happy yeah. when that happens. Yeah, they're happy. I'm happy. I mean, this is why this is why I advocate for medical cannabis because mm -hmm. it, it just gives people their life back. And I've seen such amazing transformations. Um, mm. Like I've seen people go from nine out of 10 pain most days and six months later, they're at zero or one out of 10 for someone with fibromyalgia that, that they haven't wow. been able to work. They've been basically disabled for like, mm. you know, 15 plus years. Um, people with treatment system, depression, um, insomnia, like you name it. It's just these, it just, it's not just getting control of their symptoms. It's people don't want to just sleep better or get pain control. They want to actually live a more fulfilling life. They mm -hmm. want to you know, they want to be out there in the world doing what they, what they love to do. And that's, that's why they're, we need to get them a better medicine. Yeah. And there's more that needs to be done about bringing awareness to that as well. Like I said, I got my friend to contact Sapphire clinics. He had no idea that you could do that. Yeah. Because he moved to a different city. So he lost his contacts, you know, when he was in this yeah. city, then he could contact his guy and pick up his stuff. And then when he moved to the next city, he didn't have the same contact, but he's, still needed to get cannabis from somewhere and he had back problems, back pain. So it's like contact uh, Sapphire Clinics, like what, you can get it legally on prescription now? And yeah, he, yeah. I would have thought that he would have known this because he's a cannabis user, but he didn't. And there's going to be so many people out there across the UK right now who just have no idea that it's available on prescription the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. I Whenever I do talks and people say at the end, there's always a few people that say, wait a second, you mean... I can come in the UK and see you as a patient and you can prescribe me cannabis, the different strains. And I said, yes, they just can't believe it. <laughs> no, it still doesn't make sense now. It's like, it's still baffling to me that, that you can do that, that, that I could do that. I could go and contact a clinic and get cannabis from them. And yeah. it's decent quality nowadays as well. I've heard horror it stories is. about it being yeah. irradiated and moldy in some cases, but it seems to be decent quality now. It's getting better all the time. It's getting better because, you know, the market forces will drive it. Mm -hmm. um, so you got some good companies coming in and there's there's one um, company that had a mold recall, but since then they've they've been good. And they're also one of the cheapest companies. So it's, it's still one of the products I start with, with uh, patients who are on a, you know, a really strict budget. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I mean, the nice thing about cannabis is 
sometimes you can get away with really low doses, especially when you find the right products. Not always. Some people need high doses, but a lot of people don't. So I have patients who are on pretty small doses. And um, when you get the right products, you can make it pretty cost effective mm -hmm. compared to at least what it was even a few years ago. Yeah. Hopefully it will continue to come down. Mm -hmm. The tolerance is a problem though, isn't it? The, the people's tolerance get built gets built up pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it's different for every person. Um, what I find is it's a very individual thing, the tolerance and how um, basically what I see most often is tolerance to THC, the side effects to THC, that kind of stabilizes in a few weeks time. But then the beneficial kind of medicinal effects, usually those don't have the same issue with tolerance to the same extent as kind of the intoxication or you know um, feelings from the THC, but it can happen. So usually what we'll do is there's a few strategies. We can do a strain switching strategy. Sometimes it's just mixing up the strain makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Don't know why, maybe it's a different terpene profile. Um, then we can do what I call like a partial THC washout where we get rid of the flour and we keep the oil. And then we can do, um, a almost full THC washout where you keep the high CBD, low THC oil, like a 20 to one ratio CBD THC, and you get rid of, um, the high THC oil and you get rid of all the flour. And sometimes you have to bridge someone with pain relief for a few days. And usually it only takes about 48 hours, especially if you're doing a, like almost a full washout to reset the receptors we find. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You take just a couple of days off smoking and then go yeah. back to it and it hits you very hard, you know? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, see, I, I used to be a hardcore smoker. I used to smoke like a quarter a day, seven grams of cannabis a day easily. Wow. I'd smoke, I'd, yeah. I used to smoke so much fucking weed. <laughs> That's expensive. Yeah. Well, I'll grow my own at home, so it's not a problem. You know, yeah. Just grow shitloads of weed and smoke it all. It's crazy, man. And now when I think back, and I couldn't smoke one joint now without being flattened by it. Yeah. You know, I have a, I put like a third of a gram inside my Mighty, and that'll be good for me for a few days, really. I don't even hit that every day. Yeah. Yeah. Just... It goes a long way, especially when you have a decent vaporizer. Mm-hmm. It's just back then, you know, you used to be able to function completely normally, just smoking shitloads of weed like that. And I'd smoke like five joints before midday. Wow, that's a lot of cannabis. I used to smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> wow. and, and nobody ever believes you when you say, you yeah, smoke about a quarter a day. Like, fuck, God, you don't smoke that much. Nobody smokes that much weed. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I used to. <laughs> because most people are out there buying it, you know, when you grow your own. Yeah. You have so much weed. You just... And it's just easy to, because it's so readily available to you. You don't have to go and pick it up from anywhere. You don't have to go and buy it from anywhere. You just reach into the jar and grab another fat bud, you know, smoke. Good times, good times. But yeah, I'm glad I don't smoke so much nowadays. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I definitely think vaping is, you know, as mm -hmm. far as we know so far, it's a lot safer. We don't know that it's zero risk to the lungs, but it's certainly mm -hmm. a lot safer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, I, I would think so. I, mean, I can tell yeah. the, the difference now. I mean, when I used to breathe a year ago, it would be wheezy. You know, yeah. it sounded like I had emphysema. Yeah. My lungs were fucking, they weren't in good condition, man. I could tell. Yeah. But after a year now, it's nearly a year. I was just a couple of weeks away from a year and um, healthier than I've been for a long time. Congratulations. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a big transition because a lot of times when you, when you, you know, I have patients who have smoked uh, cannabis in the past, they're used to getting a slightly different effect from that mm -hmm. higher temperature. Mm -hmm. So they really have to kind of get used to it. So sometimes I start, I say, well, let's start at the higher end of the vaporizing range. And then we work our way down mm -hmm. because once you hit, once you hit 214, you're getting kind of those toxic byproducts and stuff. You really don't want them. So yeah. ideally I like, ideally I like to have someone start at 180 and work their way up. But sometimes I say, well, why don't you start at like 205 or maybe even 210 and then work your way down mm -hmm. um, if they've been a next smoker. So it, it's, it's, you know, it depends on the person. Yeah. Is there a particular vaporizer you recommend to your patients? Um, well, I don't have any affiliations with any companies. I will say that before in case someone thinks I'm a rep for one of these people, but um <laughs> I do find the Mighty is gives a, a, a very good quality vaporization. Yeah, that's um, what I use. I, I, I don't have an affiliation with them either, but I've recommended yeah. it to so many people. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. And they're the only ones with a medical CE mark. So they're actually the only medical device. So, wow. you know, medical legally, I have to really recommend them first because they're a medical device registered in the UK. The other ones are not. Um, you know, the, the other ones like the PAX, 
Mm-hmm. Three, the Lynx Gaia, I like because they're sleek and they don't look like a vaporizer and they're more socially um, acceptable if people are in a non-cannabis friendly environment. Um, but they don't get the same quality of vaporization. Like my patients tell tell me over the years, you know, it's not actually the, the Lynx guy is pretty good and it's all ceramic, which I like because okay. um, you know, it doesn't have any plastic parts or anything like that. And it's quite a nice flavor. But um the packs, I would say, is the sleekest of all of them, but probably the least effective vape. Right. Yeah, I think the packs come second to the mighty as far as over yeah. because we get a lot of feedback from uh, all the people who use different vaporizers. And yeah. Everybody is impressed by the mighty or, or yeah. the crafty. They're pretty much the same thing, just different battery life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the crafty. It's the same uh, swords yeah. and bicker, bickle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people go out there. They use these G pens. Maybe I've seen that mentioned before. And they'll use uh, a cheap because the problem is with the mighty is expensive. I know people it's don't really want to go and invest that money if, and think they're not going to enjoy it after trying a cheap vape and being that's like, right. "Oh, vaping's not for me." That that's it doesn't work. But then when you try a real vape like a mighty, I don't know. It's uh. It's not yeah. the same as smoking, but in some ways it's better. The flavor is The flavor is, is more, yeah, and I agree. And I think for, for the flavor, I think the Lynx guy is even better than the Mighty. Oh, no, but don't tell me that. I know, I know. <laughs> and I think I think it's actually cheaper as well, but you don't, I, um, so my husband's a medical cannabis patient, so we, we've had both of them over the years, and he agreed, but then the Lynx guy broke a lot sooner than the Mighty. The Mighty oh, is right. much more... It's it's much sturdier, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, do you use cannabis uh, other than the the uh, balm for your hand? Do you? Uh, I I don't. <laughs> I don't currently. No. Right. I mean, you know, of course, most Canadians have tried cannabis, as mm-hmm. have I in the past. Um, but I don't really enjoy THC. It's really not for me. Right, it's so. just one of those things. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, topically, I find it really helpful. Um, CBD, I find helpful for stress relief, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I've never really been into to vaporizing or smoking. It's just never been my thing. Yeah. Um, I love the smell of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite smells, but I just don't like the the way it it, it feels. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand. You know, after not being such a hardcore smoker like I used to be, if I smoke too yeah. much now and get too stoned, I don't really enjoy that feeling too much. It's it's too much. You know, it can yeah. be anxiety yeah. causing. You know, you get a little bit stressed. I find THC uh, just makes me sleepy as well. Like right. regardless of the strain, well, and especially I find in, in an edible or an oil, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, I find for me, it's just, um, it's not something even for recreation, I would say I'd really enjoy because it, it just mm-hmm. makes me want to sleep for a million hours. <laughs> yeah. I think it just makes me think too much. You know, yeah. you get a little it's bit too so that's high. That's the thing. Just... Everyone's so different. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. I have chronic pain, like you know, the pain in my hand is quite localized, and the topicals really work well. Um, but if I had you know global chronic pain or fibromyalgia, I think I mean your endocannabinoid system changes when you have those conditions. So I think I respond to THC differently than someone with a chronic condition would, mm. um, which is so interesting because yeah. you know a lot of my patients like they don't feel sleepy from THC. A lot of them especially my patients on the neurodiversity spectrum, a lot of them find that they function really well with a balanced product during the day. It helps their mm. focus. It helps their anxiety levels. Um, and I mean, I couldn't function like that on a balanced product during the day. I'd be, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't really be that functional, but no, for just them, Netflix, actually, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for them, it works, it works beautifully. So I find it mm. so fascinating. Yeah. It's crazy. What do you think of the, um, do you think cannabis is addictive? Have you seen any of your patients be, uh, becoming addicted to cannabis in any way? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, I mean, no, not in my medical practice because I'm right. very specific and when I prescribe um, and we do screens for, you know, addictive tendencies, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people have more risk of addictive tendencies um, than others. And part mm-hmm. of that's genes. A lot of that's genes. Yeah. And things like PTSD, trauma, you know, people self-medicate because a lot of times they have trauma and other things going on. Um, But no, in my medical practice, no. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in the research literature, of course, there's around, you know, an an 8.9% risk of lifetime addiction if you basically smoke high THC cannabis every day. So that's pretty low when you compare that to alcohol or a lot of other recreational drugs like cocaine. Um, so, you know, it's still relative. We have to frame it like that. We have to remember that, that mm-hmm. alcohol is a lot higher than that. And, um, 
the the risk uh, stats are coming from that high daily high THC use. So I think you know it's cannabis use disorder is a real thing. Yeah. So you know, and, and then there's ways to approach that medically as well. So with cannabis use disorder, um, there's some preliminary studies that. CBD could actually be used as a treatment for cannabis use disorder because mm. it has some opposite effects. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that we're always on the lookout for to make sure we're not, you know, um, medicating an addiction with medical mm. cannabis. Mm. Um, but in the medical patient population, I've never had a patient become addicted to their medical cannabis that I prescribe for them. That's cool. Yeah, because a lot of people who do use cannabis regularly. I think they, they can be ignorant to the fact that it can be addictive to some people. Yeah. You know, it's not for yeah. everybody, but it is for some people. And that's how it was for me. I, I didn't think cannabis was addictive. But at the same time, I'd be like, if I don't smoke a joint in the day, then I won't be able to eat. And if I don't smoke a joint at night, I won't be able to sleep and all these different yeah. aspects. And when you stop smoking the, the first three days of quitting smoking cannabis, it's dreadful, you know. Yeah, you're, you're THC discontinuation. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you can't sleep, yeah. can't eat. You're grouchy. Yeah. Really when you do sleep, you have crazy dreams. Yeah. So it, I think there is some uh, addictive aspects to it. And I was definitely part of that. Yeah. And it's better to be in control of my cannabis habits like I am now. You know, I can take it when, or leave it when I want it rather than feeling as if I need it all the time. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you're I think you're, you're very wise. It was, that's that's real wisdom right there, because it's hard. You know, a lot of the tools we have currently for cannabis use disorder we can't apply them to medical cannabis patients because one of the questions is always, do you use it every day? Well, of course, if mm -hmm. you're a medical cannabis patient, you're using it every day in most cases. Mm -hmm. um, so it is looking, like you said, more for those signs, those worrying signs um, that it's no longer the medicinal effect, that it's more, you know, the other things that are kind of taking over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy how it affects different people that way. And, and you know, yeah. as a home grower, and there's this is high on homegrown, everybody well, the majority of people who listen to this show grow their own cannabis at home so they have an abundant amount available to them you know you just have to be very careful and make sure that you don't get into yeah, that position absolutely you know? absolutely respect it you know have respect for cannabis and that's something i lost i lost the respect for it and had a bad relationship with cannabis where i was just abusing it constantly and now yeah. i respect it a lot more and i don't abuse it we have a nice relationship yeah. now me and mary jane <laughs> <laughs> well and, and i think it's very true you know i always say that cannabis is a power plant and with the power plants you got through you have to treat them with care and respect because mm -hmm. um yeah they're powerful yeah, um sure. it's just, it's the same with a lot of these other power plants where some of these other powerful substances originate mm -hmm. from yeah so what do you do in terms of um activism i mean i know you're already very busy being a doctor mother an author do you do anything with the on the activism side of things Yes. So I volunteer a lot of my time for the Medical Cannabis Clinician Society, where I'm the vice chair. So uh -huh. our mission is to educate physicians, clinicians, government um, about medical cannabis, to um, encourage and support in a peer support capacity and mentor doctors who want to um, be brave and start prescribing medical wow. cannabis. That, that's very um, important. That job is... <laughs> So I do that. Um, I'm a member of the Conservative Drug Policy Reform Committee, which is an all-party group, not just Conservative Party. Um, but we work to uh, for drug policy reform. So position papers, um, lobbying for change, that sort of thing for cannabis and psilocybin and other substances. Um, I'm also a member of the Medical Cannabis Working Group with Drug Science, which is a nonprofit um, dedicated to the education on drugs and harm reduction. Um, there's about 10 others that I could list probably, wow. but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really passionate. It's hard for me to say no. Um, I've decided I can't take on any more nonprofits because I'm so full at the moment, but it's hard for me to say no, because they're all mm -hmm. really great causes. And mm -hmm. this is, it's just so close to my heart, you know, this topic. It, it's crazy because most of the people who are involved, especially so deeply involved in the fight as you are, are usually cannabis users. You know, you know. are not a cannabis user. You're like on the outside, <laughs> but still working hard for the community to try and make things right it's, it's very but i cool. will say when i go back to north america one of my favorite ways to get over jet lag is with edibles i it's nice. the best jet lag cure ever <laughs> what's your favorite edibles 
Well, it depends where you, where where I am, really. Um, right. Colorado has some of the best selection, I have to say. So whenever I'm in the states, Colorado or well, actually California as well, um, Med Men or I mean, there's there's just so many. Um, mm. I'll usually get someone to pick me up an edible, and I find that just is the best cure for jet lag. So yeah, on the podcast, we have a panel member, Marge. Her name is. She is the host of Bite Me, the show about edibles. And she just does oh. like loads of different recipes. Uh, she makes edibles out of everything. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You should definitely check out a podcast if you like edibles. I you will. Know, I'm not encouraging I, you I to don't make... taking weed every day, you know? <laughs> well, no, only, only, of course, where it's legal. Of course, of course. You know, use your own discretion, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so what, what do you see going on in the future in the UK then? Do you have any predictions of how things are going to move forward, maybe with psilocybin as well as cannabis? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if psilocybin actually moves quicker than cannabis because it's easier to fit into that RCT framework that conventional medicine really likes to see. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of leapfrogs over cannabis in terms of um, (laughs) medicinal access and that kind of thing, which is which is really interesting. I mean, Mm. can you imagine us saying that? Like five magic mushrooms are going to be legal before cannabis is. It's like what? (laughs) Yeah, and 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 I don't know if I don't know for for adult use, but Mm -hmm, leapfrog. But certainly, I you know I think we have a real shot at um, getting access to you know psilocybin uh, as an unlicensed medicine potentially. Mm. I mean, hopefully, in the somewhat near future. But it's really hard to say, isn't it? You know, there seems to be a lot of uh, focus on mental health problems and depression nowadays as well. So to have some kind of drug that works in that way, I think that would be beneficial to many people. Yeah, and psilocybin is a really interesting one. And, you know, we have um, we have ketamine as well, of course, for treatment-resistant depression. Yeah, this is, is an interesting effective. one as well, yeah. I mean, I yeah. used to take ketamine way back in the day, going out to the club, you know, <laughs> have some ketamine and shit. And I know they're talking about using it as a medicine. Like, wow. Yeah, so so we we use it. So my practice partner is a ketamine expert. So a lot oh, of times wow, cool. um, we're in our clinic, we're using ketamine infusions alongside cannabis for treatment-resistant depression, treatment-resistant uh, chronic pain of certain varieties, and it's really effective. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's not for everyone. It doesn't, it's not an, it's, you know, an immediate mm-hmm. cure. I think the integration work you have to do is also really, really important. So um, usually, you know, the ketamine sessions combine with an integration psychotherapist and um, who specializes in usually something like EMDR and other techniques to integrate what the learning is from the um, from the sessions, but it's it's a fact a fast acting antidepressant. So you know a third of up to a third of patients don't respond to conventional antidepressants. Depression is a really complex illness. Mm. We're just trying to like put it all in one bucket, but the reality is very different than that. Um, so yeah, using these tools together it can be uh, very effective for for many patients. Wow. What's ketamine de- derived from? Is that botanical based? It's not. No, it's right. a it's a it's a drug. Um, it's a synthetic drug, um, but it's it works in a similar. It, it works in a different way to the serotonergic psychedelics, which is like psilocybin, um, uh, like you know LSD that those, those sort of uh, compounds. But in some respects, it is similar, and that kind of shakes up um, some of the brain networks involved in entrenched depression, entrenched chronic pain, um, and it kind of jiggles everything up and it's almost like kind of an, an, with depression as well. It's kind of like unpacking all the boxes in the, from the basement of your brain and reorganizing them. Um, so, you know, just like any psychedelics, it has to be done in a really well-held container um, set and setting are so important. Mm. The integration work is so important because um, you know, I've also seen psychedelics go really wrong with mm-hmm. people and people end up being more traumatized. So it's, you know, it, there's, it, it, we, again, we have to treat them with respect and just mm-hmm. like cannabis. Um, Cause there's a lot of hype in the media uh, about it. Um, but, you know, I think they are quite, I think it's the future part of the future of mental health treatment. Mm. What is the, I suppose you don't, well, do you send people home with ketamine or is it a, uh... Like they come to a specific clinic and they'll stay there for a couple of hours while they go through ketamine treatment. Yeah, it's a really good question. So in the States, there's a lot of home ketamine um, treatments. And one of my colleagues in the States, uh, Mark, uh, Dr. Bron- Bronstein, he's a, a, a Colorado-based psychiatrist. He's been doing this for years. 
and he has a clinic that specializes in home ketamine. There's lots of them in California. Um, there's even places you can go, of course, in California. It's always in California that mm -hmm. this starts, that you can even go and you can get, I think even from a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner, you get a, your prescription for ketamine. And then you can go to these yoga studios that specialize in ketitations, which is basically ketamine medita group meditations. And you take awesome. your ketamine together. So it's, it's really interesting. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you wonder how safe that container is if you have people with PTSD going to a like a yoga class taking ketamine and are they getting that support that they need after like it, there's a lot of questions raised with that model but mm. it's certainly a lot more liberalized than in the uk most of the time it's um iv ketamine um that you have an iv infusion in a hospital setting or like in a clinic setting um oh, but IV? In it, straight into the veins wow yeah yeah so iv ketamine is the most common way to use it but um, even in the UK, there's now talk, even, you know, in, in, in our service, you know, there's talk about, you know, doing some sort of uh, home, home ketamine, uh, lower dose uh, therapy where you, you know, put ketamine lozenges under the tongue and um, you have remote um, psychotherapy, that sort of thing. That's what they do in the States, but hmm. it's, it's, you know, making it work in the UK regulatory framework um, hmm. that just takes a, a bit more, it, it's, it just takes longer to kind of work those things out. It's quite strict here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know we were we were this far into all these different kinds <laughs> of medicines here in the UK. So there is progress being made. There is progress, yeah. And you know, because of guys like you just going out and putting in all this work in the background, but we don't even yeah. know about. <laughs> You're doing a great job out there doing all the. What, what do you think about um, DMT? Do you think that will become a medical practice one day in the UK? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, there's there's studies right now in phase one and phase two with DMT for a variety of conditions. Here in the UK? Here in the UK. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How do I get on one of those trials? I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I, I'm trying to think, was it the DMT one? I couldn't, I'm trying to think if it was the DMT one. I'm trying to remember, or maybe it was the MDMA when I got um, right. asked to be a healthy recruit. Um, but it was, I would, I was pregnant at the time, so I couldn't. So, mm. you know, a lot of, I know a lot of the researchers to do these ones. So sometimes, um, my husband and I'll, you know, get a, um, a shout out and say, oh, would you, would you be a healthy volunteer for this study? Um, so they do go on and I've had colleagues, um, be healthy volunteers for some of the DMT research in the UK. Wow. Um, so you get a very psychedelic dose of DMT, um, mm -hmm. and they put you in a brain scanner and see what happens essentially. Wow. Yeah, I've, I think I've heard somewhere that they, because the DMT trip usually lasts for around 15 minutes, but they're trying to, you know, like, they like, keep you in the state for about an hour so you, you, they can get better readings from it. Yeah, it, it depends how you do it. If you do IV or if you dose it, you know, inhalation, um, it depends how long it lasts. But it's very much a shorter um psychedelic experience and say something like ayahuasca oh, which yeah. is mm -hmm. more long-lived yeah. um you know a, a similar active compound of course they both have dmt um but dmt straight dmt is just that compound versus ayahuasca like cannabis it has a lot of other botanical compounds in it and every ayahuasca brew could be slightly different depending on the tribe that makes it um what access they have to different plants in their um, specific forest so mm -hmm. it's it's i mean the whole thing's very fascinating Mm hmm. Uh, you, you put a lot of studying into all of this uh <laughs> I mean, have you done all the studying on your own as well I suppose, is there a school you can go to to learn about all these different kinds of medicines not a school but there's a lot of academic research um academic conferences mm -hmm. there's um that you know i'm you know able to attend um more so in the last few years i would say so there's there's lots out there i'm a member of you know a few research groups um so i'm always you know learning more and more and kind of learning about what's what's going on in the research um you know uh that way but 10 years ago that's it didn't really exist like this this network mm. is pretty new among academics so you've just taken yourself down the rabbit hole yeah <laughs> absolutely. so much along the way that's it we're i'm always learning so we've kept you here for nearly a whole hour now so uh, do you want to tell people about your book and where they can go out and find out more information about you and the work sure. that you do or any way they can volunteer to help the cause out in any way things like that so i guess i'll give a few things so if you want to find more about me you can go to my blog it's just resilience.clinic um it has a link to my medical clinic but if you are not a patient you can also just take a resilience assessment there's some yeah. free tools there and where um, is your clinic in the uk sorry it's virtual actually 
Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, so it's very, it's very good for chronic disease management because a lot of my patients have a hard time making it into the clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, so after COVID we became all virtual and, um, it, it works quite well um, on both ends, I would say. Um, then if you're interested in, um, I guess more on the clinician side, getting involved, then you can come and join us, please, at the Medical Cannabis Clinician Society. We are a volunteer-led group of um, cannabis specialist physicians in the UK um, who are just really passionate about education. So um, we're always looking for more members. So please come join us. Awesome. And where can people find your book? Ah, my book, I believe, is on Amazon. It's in most bookstores. And that's the CBD Bible. The Resilience Blueprint is out in April. So not quite yet. Um, and should be in the same kind of major retailers. And you have another book coming up, did you say? Or is that already done? Yes. So I've written it. It's finished. It comes out in April next year called The wow. Resilience Blueprint. So, Oof. yeah. Man, it's such a long process getting that, getting a book done. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> And they have to wait until April. Is it coming out on April 20th by any chance? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. Actually, this so this one's about more about integrated medicine and resilience, but I still have a cannabis chapter and I have a psychedelics chapter. And they didn't really want me to put in the psychedelics. I had to really push for it, but after mm. they read it, they really liked it. So they let me keep it. Awesome. Because <laughs> I said this is the book about resilience. I have to talk about altered states. I have mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. It's something that's opening up in like the eyes of society over the last few years, especially. Is, yeah. You know, I think it's down to a lot with Joe Rogan talking about DMT a lot on his podcast. It's opened a lot. Of yeah, people's eyes he through. really he really does uh, talk about it a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Graham Hancock as well. He likes to talk about uh, DMT. A lot yeah. of people seem to be doing it nowadays. It's opening people's eyes to it. It, it yeah. sounds like a scary thing to do, but it seems like a, a spiritual awakening for most people. Yeah, I have to say, I'm not experienced it myself, but I have a lot of, you know, friends who have. And um, yeah, when the, when the time is right, in a legal environment, of course, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe in a research study, I'm, might be, it might be the next one. Wow. Uh, I'd love to do it, but it's terrifying at the same time, but it's supposed to be terrifying. That's the thing. But, yeah, know. and I, I think that's the thing with psychedelics. I think you have to have such a safe container mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, I, I've had patients who've had bad experiences and it's it, it's made them more traumatized for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's, that's I call it like the dark side of psychedelics because there is a dark side to it. And mm -hmm. um, I think it's, you really got to realize, it, it, I mean, I've seen it in the alternative community, it go really wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen it even in some medical context where it just wasn't, a really safely held container, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Set and setting, like you said, you know, you have Set to and setting. That's be what in the right about. place, in the right frame of mind before you take that step into the, into the, uh, the alternative planes <laughs> of existence. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I, I think exploring it, the inner verse. I think it will be a, a, a market here one day in the UK and in the States as well is where you'll go to a specific place to, yeah. you know, like going to the cinema to watch a movie, you pay a ticket, you're there for a few hours and, watch a film and you go home yeah. it's going to be the similar thing where you go there yeah. you take the stuff you go on a trip and there's somebody watching over you know a trip sitter uh, yeah. a shaman in some aspects just to make well, sure we have this at burning man you know I, mm. I remember seeing all the the trip sitters at burning man this is years and years ago mm -hmm. um of course it's supposed to be all very illegal at burning man but you know that's what most people go there to do and um though there's trip sitters of every variety and they'll just take you around for a trip <laughs> You do Burning Man as well. Do you go there? Do you participate? I have. I have. Wow. Been, so you're very into fitness then as well. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess I am. Yeah, I guess I am really into fitness. I, I dance. I jog. Um, I am quite, quite into fitness, I guess, but not from a fitness obsession point of view. I just, I just love to, to be active, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Burning Man is an amazing experience. I haven't been for many years, um, but I, I had an incredible time. It's just, it's the most, one of the most creative places I've ever experienced. Well, I might give it a shot one day, but I'm getting old now. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to do it. Now I have kids, you know, it's not the kind of place you can take a two-year-old to. So it's yeah. going to be a while before I go again. Oh, damn. Yeah, man. Kids make things more difficult. Well, traveling more difficult at least, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Mm. And two years old, that's a, it's one of those ages. It's sort of learning how to talk. So you about getting to yeah. communicate with them a little now. Oh, it's a great age. There's, you, mm -hmm. you get, you know, you get the tantrums, but you also get just those, those beautiful moments. It's mm -hmm. just, I love it. 
yeah. Being a parent is epic, man. It's good yeah, fun. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's one of my <laughs> favorite things for sure. It's, it's great. It's, it's the biggest learning experience. It's, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good fun. Anyway, Dr. Gordon, we should let you go and enjoy the rest of your day and go and have some dinner or something. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing next. Sweet. But then put the little man to bed. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming along and just chatting with me for an hour or so. It's been very interesting. It's been really, and very really eye-opening. Nice, Thank no, you very thanks. much. Thank you. I'm um, glad really you enjoyable. had a nice time. So yeah, I hope we I can get you back again soon. You know, when your new book comes out, if you want to come on and I'd tell us all to. about the new book, then you're always welcome. Just let me know and you can come Thank and you. sit here and chat again anytime. Thank you. I'd love to do that. Awesome. Awesome. I'll, I'll be in touch then around April time and we'll get you back on. That'd be cool. Great. All right, thanks, Doctor. Okay. Thanks, Doctor. We'll see you Take next care. time. Bye-bye. I'm Bye. Wa- I'm waving, but you can't see me. Okay. You know? <laughs> I'm waving. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. So there we go, everybody. That was Dr. Danny Gordon. Now you can find Dr. Gordon over on her website, drdannygordon.com. She also is on Instagram and all the other social networks, Twitter, for example. Or just if you go to Google or your favorite search engine and search for Dr. Danny Gordon, that's uh, Danny spelled D-A-N-I and Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. If you just Google that, then you'll find everything you need to know about her. So she is also the author of a book called The CBD Bible, which she mentioned. You can find that on all the major bookstores. So if you're interested in buying that, make sure you check that out as well. Uh, And her new book's coming up in 2023. The Resilience Blueprint is what it's going to be called. So hopefully we can get her back on the show in April time to speak about that when it comes out. But anyway, great interview. I enjoyed this one. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Don't forget to share it if you can. That would be awesome. But of course, no pressure. Uh, But leave a comment or a review of the podcast if you can that would help us out a lot but of course again no pressure we just appreciate you being here downloading and listening to the show so thank you very much for that right so friday grow guides we'll see you then i suppose and it would be good to see you over on the live show on sunday we'll be doing a couple of giveaways and that's going to be about gifts to buy for people for christmas so here we go with the whole christmas thing so enjoy We'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides or the live show on Sunday. Have a good week, everybody. See you then. Stay high, stay safe, and goodbye.